Please stand as you're able for the reading of the gospel. Today's reading comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, the disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but it is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Congregation of the Hennepin Church, I am indeed honored and humbled to stand before you this morning and share some of the thoughts that are on my mind. But as I stand before you, I must say to you, my heart is heavy. My heart is heavy. You see, I'm a child of the civil rights movement. My parents were civil rights workers. And I honestly believed as I was growing up and going through the things that I went through that that time had passed, that we had moved beyond that. You see, when I was a child, I walked every single day during the summer past the main library because I could not enter that library because of the color of my skin. I had to go to a library that was about the size of your living room. Imagine that. But I marveled at the books that were available to me because I thought that education would be the way out. Not necessarily then, but as I grew, that's what I thought. I thought that what my parents did, what others did, would someday somehow make today be very different than today is. But. Several months ago, we witnessed what happened in Virginia with the alt-right group. And I'm from Virginia. So that happened about 100 miles away from my hometown. When it wasn't about free speech, 
It wasn't about the right to march. It was about hate. It wasn't about love. It wasn't about peace. It wasn't about any of that. But it reminded so many of us of the dark and evil days during those times when segregation was the norm, when segregation was the law of the land. And we were told to sit behind, to not drink from that fountain. We couldn't go to that school. I don't want those days to return. So when I saw those young people in that school in Florida standing up and letting their voices be heard, hope returned. Because I saw the dreamers of now, the dreamers of tomorrow and the tomorrows after that. But I also saw something else that troubled me. When those young people stood up, there were those who had the nerve to say that they were fake, that they were not high school students at all. Those young people that stood up, whose voices were loud and clear, saying no more, every life matters, no more. They were called vicious names. I remember those days. I remember those days. I remember walking into high school for the very first time when Danville, Virginia had been forcibly told to desegregate all of its schools. And I walked into high school for the very first time with police officers with their belts off and dogs. That was not a good time, but I remember all of us walking in that school with our heads held high. But I also remember the names that we were called. Just as I noticed those young people who were standing up for each other, being willing to have a voice that was loud and clear, saying, we are the peacemakers. We will make a difference. We will bring about change. Just as so many of us thought that's what we were doing. Now I know the topic is different. One has to do with equality. The other has to do with life. And I'm gonna put it plain and simple. To me, it has to deal with life. But one could also say equality is life. One could also say equality is about social justice. And isn't that what John Wesley was preaching? Aren't those his words? Aren't those the values of the Methodist Church? Yes, they are. Social justice, inclusion, civic engagement. That's what, if you look at the values of the Methodist Church, those are the values. If you look at the values of Hamlin University, which is a Methodist school, those are our values. That's what we believe. That's what we hold dear. So as president of, of Hamlin University, I want our students' voice to be heard. I want them to transform society in a way that none of, us, none of us in this room can even possibly imagine right now. But I have faith in the fact that they will do it. 
I chose Hamlin University. Thankfully, they chose me. <laughs> but I chose to accept their offer because of what I read about Hamlin, because of what I knew about the Methodist faith, because of what I believe in as someone who grew up in a very religious environment. I believe to my very core that God has a plan for all of us. What we simply have to do is allow that plan to take hold, which means that as I say to my students and as they say to me, have you had your hug for the day? If I say no, they give me a hug. If I say yes, I say to them, but I can always use another one. Because it's important to me that we encourage them. It's important to me that we let them to see what's possible for them. It's important to me that they all know that they're loved, that they're cared about. And it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter where they come from. It simply matters where they're going. Where they're going. And they're going to some extraordinary places. April 4th is an important time. Some of you in the room probably know what April 4th is. April 4th is the anniversary of the assassination of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, the 50th anniversary. So when I think about all the things that, have, that are going on, all the things that we have yet to do, when I think about the food drive, when I think about issues of poverty and all of you trying to address that, you realize Martin Luther King more than 50 years ago, that was something that he was also fighting against, was poverty. Do you realize on Hamlin's campus that is also something that we're fighting against, is poverty? We have students who come to campus who are food insecure. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. So what we try and do is help them. But we thought again we thought again, you, put, you open the door to an educational institution and so much is able to happen as a result of that. We have a long way to go. So my heart is heavy. My heart is heavy. Now I'm not here to tell you what you believe, what you should believe politically, but I will say this. What are we teaching our young people? Because think about the march in Virginia. A significant number of the people who marched were young people. They were young people. Why did we desegregate the schools? Why? It wasn't just because we wanted to make sure that a quality education existed for all. We also educated those, we, re we desegregated those schools because we wanted people to learn to live together. We wanted people to learn to respect each other. We wanted people to learn that difference is not 
a negative. That difference is a positive. And we all bring something different to the environment, and that's a good thing. That's why we desegregated those schools. That's why we did so much of what we did. I am a product of a civil rights movement, so when I talk about these issues, these issues are real to me. They're not theoretical. I live them. I live them. I live them. And that's the reason why all those young children who stood up here, I don't want one of them to live that. I don't want one of them to think that their life is somehow less than someone else's. I don't want one of them to think that the opportunities that some have, they don't. I don't want one of them to think that because of their gender, because of their skin color, because of their income, because of so much else, that life is going to be different for them. Yes, to some extent, but it doesn't have to be different in the way that they somehow feel devalued. I am so honored that you are part of Hamlin University, and I hope you do see yourself as part of Hamlin University. I know Judy does, and I hope you do, because Hamlin is your church, your, your, your university. It is yours. But let's think, and I, and I know my time is, 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 is about near, but let's think about Hamlin University. Let's think about John Wesley. Let's think about all those words. Because when Hamlin University opened its doors in 1854, it opened its doors with two women as members of the very first class. And if you read the history of Hamlin University, the founders said, we will not open our doors unless women are included. 1854, that's history, that's history. So the Methodists embraced women early on. Hamlin embraced women early on. We're still trying to embrace as many as we can. Do you realize at Hamlin right now, 47% of our students are first generation in this class, 47%. Now 70% of our students are from Minnesota, so that tells you something. That tells you we got a long way to go in Minnesota. And my heart will ease up as we get there, because we will get there. Because the more we educate, the better we as a state, the better we as a society, the better we as a nation, the better we are as a world, the more we educate. And in this class, 42% are students of color. We're very proud of that. We're one of the institutions in the state of Minnesota that's making a difference for all people, all people. So I am pleased and honored to stand before you today to say that I am humbled that you allowed me to share my thoughts. I am proud that I am still a dreamer. I do not have dreams deferred, as Langston Hughes said, but what I do have that Langston Hughes said is that I'm able to give my hopes and dreams 
to every student, every person at Hamlin University. Because I believe in something that's bigger than all of us. I believe in a way forward. I believe in a tomorrow where our young people can go to school and not worry about whether or not they will live today or die today. But that they can go to school and do what that school is supposed to do. Teach them, provide an environment for them for to grow, allow them to realize their potential. So we at Hamlin, we hope we're transforming the world. It's a little small microcosm, but our students go out and do big things. We hope we're making a difference. We hope that we're slowly, slowly but surely whittling at those doors that divide. So our Truth and Racial Healing grant that we receive from American Association of Universities and Colleges allows us to have the conversations that we want to have. And I invite you to join us in those very important conversations where we tackle the elephant in the room, where we tackle race in a very real way and stop running away from it. It's okay if you call me a black woman. It's okay if you call me African-American. I am, I am, and I'm proud of it. So let's celebrate race, let's embrace each other. May God bless you all.